Good morning and welcome to Grace Life. As you probably know, Grace Life has grown a lot over the past few years. Matter of fact, it's grown so much that many of you may not know the story of how we started. Actually, you may not even know who started this church. You see, when we began in 2006, I wasn't the lead pastor. I was one of the team members who moved here with a heart for the vision. So today, I want to introduce many of you to our founding pastor and his wife, Jerry and Nan Daly. They gave up their home, moved away from family, and then poured their hearts and finances into seeing Grace Life become a reality. Well, the simple truth is, we wouldn't be here today without them. They built the foundation on which we stand. So will you please help me welcome back to the stage our founding pastor, Jerry Daly. Let's hear it for Jerry. <laughs> Nan, you going to stand up. We've got Nan. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry. Share your heart with us. You guys are a little overwhelming. <laughs> I mean, you, the numbers, the building, what God has done, how God has joined our destinies. I mean, some of you, I'll never know your name, but our destinies touched, really touched. And uh, I would be the first to say, uh, we weren't planning to plant another church. The prophets came and prophesied over Nan and myself that we were going to plant another church. I was just turning 65. And um, so <laughs> without Jimmy, Ramona, Joe and Patrice, and Kent and Lane, this will never happen. <laughs> uh, so it's just, I don't know. I, I feel a little overwhelmed just with what God has done. Uh, there's an expression that's been around for a while, and it says, goes like this. Sir, would you like to have apple pie or strawberry pie? Now, what's the right answer? The answer is yes. So this morning I'm asking you, would you like to have knowledge or revelation? Yes. All right. So I want us to pray, and I'm not going to pray at the moment for God to give you revelation. I'm going to ask you to ask God to give you revelation. Is that okay? All right, let's do that. Just ask Him. Ask Him. Father, we need revelation constantly <laughs> in Jesus' name. I call it the secret of the vine. Jesus must have been fascinated by vineyards. The first miracle he did was turning water into wine. And just, be just before he's about to die, he's talking about himself being the vine and us being his branches. And so we're going to talk about three things this morning. The what, what is that, what is it to abide in the vine? Why should I abide in the vine? And most importantly, how do I abide in the vine? So, uh, looking at John 15. And he says, I am the true vine. And my father is the, the vine dresser. Now, he's telling his disciples this just before he will be crucified. What he's really saying is, this is the way it works. 
I want to explain, this is how you live this new life. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And then every branch that does bear fruit, what does he do? He prunes it so that it'll bear even more fruit. I think you can testify to that. You're already clean or pruned, same Greek word, because of the word which I have spoken to you. And then here it is. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, look at that, much fruit, much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It doesn't mean nothing, nothing. He means nothing that counts. So it's like this. Jesus, vine, you, branch. <laughs> is that simple or simple? It's amazing. God is so wise, he creates all the universe, and he makes it so simple. So I, the question then comes, what does this really mean? And in verse 2, it's, I, I think it gives us a really good clue it says, every branch in me, every branch in me, there's more to the in me than we understand. It's said that Jesus died for us, but he did more than that. He, he, he took us with him. When, was, when were you really placed in Christ? Before the foundation of the world. You say, is that a mystery? Oh, yeah. Um, he wrapped you in himself and took you with him. So Paul will say, I have been crucified with him. When did that happen to you, Paul? <laughs> you, you had nothing to do with Jesus at that moment. Or Paul would write later, he would say, we've been made alive with him. So the whole thing takes place your whole salvation takes place because He put you in Him and in a very real sense, you participated with that death and He did it with you, <laughs> choosing you before the foundation of the world. So I like to think this, that He died with your name on His lips. He, he was also God. Um, I don't believe that Jesus died for humanity, some ocean of humanity. But that He knew for whom He was dying. And that includes you and me. So all of His power that flows into our lives comes for one simple thing. You in Christ. And so I'll give you what is my definition of what does it mean to abide in Christ? It's to live realizing your connection, your dependence on Him alone all the time. Abiding. So, so then I ask this question. What flows 
from the vine to the branch. Obviously, it's the sap. In the sap is His life. It's His grace. It's His sufficiency. And we're just going to go deeper and deeper in this. See, you need courage. You need wisdom. You need love. You need patience. There's only one source. It's not you. (laughs) It's got to come from Him. You cannot produce humility or purity You can't make yourself humble. Now, in a situation, you can humble yourself. But that won't make you humble. (laughs) Purity has got to come from Him. That's a snapshot of what? Now, we're going to go to a snapshot of why. Working with a pastor last week, um, young pastor, very, very diligent, responsible just a really good guy. And he, we were Skyping and he said, Jerry, I just, uh, I'm just not getting enough done in my days. He wanted me to speak into that. I said, Thomas, you need to abide in the vine. What if I were to say to you, Thomas, that you cannot bear more fruit than you are, are abiding in the vine? <laughs> Now, I know he expected me to talk about skills or knowledge. And those are important. But at the end of the day, you can study all the how-to's books. At the end of the day, it still comes back to abiding in Christ. So, God promises that your work, your relationships, you're becoming like Him, It cannot happen apart from Christ. Here's the why. No no other way works. (laughs) That's a pretty strong why. Apart from me, you can do what? Yeah, nothing that counts. This is why working for God does not work. Do I need to say that again? (laughs) This is why working for God does work not work. See, trying to make life work without living in utter dependence on Him alone is just failure in slow motion. I have my t-shirts. You probably have a few yourself. Um, God is... There's a senior leader that I'm working with, really a powerful guy. And uh, his wife is a very powerful lady, godly lady. She's done some amazing things. But she's come to a a season in her life when uh, the season has changed. What God had her doing is no longer what he has her doing. And she's really down about this. So she's walking around the house saying, I'm useless. I'm worthless. (laughs) So the husband's asking in so many words, what do I do? It's so so important at least to know what is the real problem here? I said, she's not abiding in the vine. (laughs) There are going to be all kinds of seasons in life, but only one thing works every time all the way through, abide in me. Yeah. Um, By the way, 
The fruit isn't for us. <laughs> and by the way, we don't get to pick the fruit. <laughs> We're told to abide, to rely, to depend. Okay, so that's the what snapshot of why. Now let's go to the all-important how. When Nan and I were first um, young Christians, we got, we'd been married three years and got saved together the same night. And our pastor would say things like, well, just walk in the Spirit. And we would say, how? He would never tell us how. <laughs> it's like people saying, you need to forgive. How? <laughs> okay, so we're going to do the how. So I want to introduce you to my friend Tom. He was referred to me last February. I didn't know him. He's a pastor from another city. And um, this boy was burnt to a crisp. He was burned out and totally emotionally numb. He said, Jerry, I just, it was Monday. He had just preached on Sunday. And he said, Jerry, I mean, it was a great sermon. People were weeping. I went home. He said, I was dead. I was, I laid on the couch. I was just numb. I couldn't feel a thing. I mean, he, just, he, did, he was not a happy camper. So I explored a little bit. He's 55 years old. He's a church planter. He's a former Army combat helicopter pilot. He's been in combat. I was a pilot in Vietnam, so we really connected. Turns out he was the oldest of five boys. His dad was an Army full colonel, ran his family just like his military units. Uh, <laughs> and so Tom thought that his burnout was due to his working too many hours. I said, nope, that's not it. I said, You're, the problem you took the problem with you into the army, and in the army, it worked well. What? His dad taught him, depend on yourself, trust yourself, man up, do it. He was always then the first in every class he ever took. The top pilot, I mean, <laughs> so that's the opposite of abiding. He was living the life and he knew all these scriptures. He could preach these scriptures. That's the difference between knowledge and revelation. Revelation. So I took Tom to one of my very, very favorite scriptures. All of these are my favorite scriptures. I mean, the ones I'm sharing. And it's 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And Jesus, Jesus speaking. And he has said to me, speaking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Could that be true for you? For power, or instead of the word for, let's use the word because. It's the same meaning. My grace is sufficient for you because power is perfected in, of all things, would you believe weakness? Really? It's perfected in weakness. Most, Paul, Paul says, oh man, most gladly therefore, I'd rather boast in about my weaknesses. Did you get that? He's boasting about his weaknesses? So that the power of Christ may dwell in me? Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, 
insults, distresses, persecutions, difficulties for Christ's sake. Why? Because when I'm weak, then I am strong. So I read that to Tom. Oh, I had him read it, actually. I said, Tom, you don't know how to be needy. That's your problem. <laughs> now, let me, this is not, I didn't say this to Tom. I'm saying this to you to give you a feel. You walk into a room of people and you feel inadequate. You're not smart enough, cool enough, witty enough, handsome enough, educated enough, whatever it is, you're not enough. You with me? It's called insecurity, right? But what if you could take that weakness and it causes you to depend utterly on Jesus for his sufficiency? Bam! Grace comes, help comes. It's, a, it's, it, it's why I say it's, a, it's revelation. It's such, it's such a mystery. God spoke to me the other day and he said, he said, son, stay plugged in. You don't have a battery. <laughs> he really did say that. <laughs> um, the thing was, I witnessed a miracle. I was, Tom was in my office only an hour and a half. He came in dead, and in an hour and a half, he was full of life and joy and happiness and lightheartedness. His wife would be in my office six weeks later saying, he's not the same man. And since February, I call him once a month to check on him. He's living by abiding in the vine, and he is one happy camper. And that's where we want you, abiding in the vine. You see... Jesus says, my grace is sufficient. What is grace? Grace is His, his life, His sufficiency that you don't have and you don't deserve. But you, it is joy to supply it in you. <laughs> and this is really important. I wish I could just stamp it on you. You cannot fix yourself. You cannot fix yourself. Stop trying. Now, I don't mean stop abiding. I don't mean stop coming to Christ. I'm saying you stop trying to fix you. <laughs> what kind of weakness is Jesus talking about? Look at the list in verse 10. I'm content with my weaknesses. Wow. Insults. What if somebody insulted you? What if somebody has insulted you, because that's happened many times, and you were well content with it? What would life be like <laughs> when you're mistreated? It's unfair, it's unjust, it's just not right. And you were well content to use what the emotions and all that stirs up in you to further depend, rely, abide in the vine. How would life be then? <laughs> Things like disappointments, betrayals, hurts, rejection, and all the emotions that come with. Jesus tells us what freedom is. And I tell you, I love living free. I meet with younger pastors sometimes and sometimes they're going through stuff, betrayals and hurts. And, and, and I was with a group two years ago, and they said, 
How did you do it? <laughs> I was living free. Well, how do you live free? You forgive everybody who hurts you, but there's a step above that. You love those who hurt you. We're to love our enemies. If I don't give you an enemy, you can't, can't obey that commandment. <laughs> right? <laughs> See, um, you want to be generous and kind and patient and wise and courageous? You can't get any of that from yourself. That can only come from Christ. And what do you bring to the table? Your need. You're like Tom, learning to be okay with being needy so that you can depend only on Christ because He is sufficient. And if you're depending on Christ, I promise you, His life flows into you and it's different then. The problem is, we don't like feeling weak and inadequate. No. Let me, let me raise that. No! We hate feeling weak and inadequate. Everything within me is like, no! We didn't go through grade school, junior high, high school, <laughs> right? Wanting to be weak and inadequate. Are you kidding me? Paul was transformed by this revelation. He says, I'm well content. What if every morning you wake up and you review this verse and you say, I'm well content today to feel inadequate <laughs> because I'm abiding in Him who is completely adequate. You see, Jesus came into this world to change the way we see everything. He says, um, he says, I've come, um, I just lost it, to change your mind because the kingdom of heaven is here. So he's changing the way we value, the way we work. Um, you know, everybody wants life to work. You don't meet anybody who wants to screw up their life. Not intentionally. The shocker is that what makes life not work is, happens to be called sin. <laughs> That's a little revelation. So, where does Jesus start with this being different? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the whole kingdom opens up. What does he mean? You can translate it this way. Blessed, you're blessed when you feel like a spiritual beggar. I'm inadequate. I don't have what it takes. It's that need that causes us to rely on Christ and all of His sufficiency opens up to us. There's a, a radical statement by a well-known theologian. He says, you know, Jesus actually never did a work. So what do you mean? He said, it's the Father abiding in me who does His works. And so all Jesus is saying, that's, He's saying, listen, that's how I lived. And I had no sin. And I'm now just about to be crucified. And this is the way I'm saying it works for you to abide, to abide in me. It's always going to be Christ in you, the only hope of glory. So then I took Tom to one of my other favorite, favorite scriptures. And he's, it's in Matthew 11, 25. And 
The, the, the 25 to 27 part doesn't get read so much. It's mainly the 28 part that gets read. And he says, Father, I thank you, Lord of heaven and earth, I thank you that you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and revealed them to infants. Really? There's nothing wrong with being wise and intelligent. He's not putting that down. He's just saying when it comes to revelation and and working with God, it won't get you there. That's why I said in addition to knowledge, we need revelation. He says, no, you need to be like an infant. An infant's totally helpless and needy. There's a new way to live that way that really does make life work depending on Him. And then I love when it says, Jesus, in verse 26, Yes, Father, He says, For this way was well-pleasing in your sight. How many of you would say, Well, I've been doing it my way. Remember Jim and Tammy Baker years ago? I think it was a book called I Did It My Way. How did that work out for you? Uh, (laughs) This is His way. He reveals it to the childlike. So then we come down to verse 28. And he says, come to me. He's inviting people to come. Who's, who's he inviting? The people who've got it together? The people who are sufficient? No, no. Um, who are weary, worn out, heavily burdened. <laughs> Those are the ones he's inviting to come be with him. <laughs> Uh, beautiful. Yeah, so I live in these verses. I'll give you rest. I'll give you life. What's he doing? I've come to give you grace. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Jesus is presenting us with the most radical way of doing life. How does a branch receive its supply from the vine? Need. Need. If you, if, you learn, if you take anything home today, use your need. Use your need. Use your need. <laughs> the person who's most aware of his need and depends on Christ will get the most life. <laughs> Grace can only flow into need. It it needs a place to flow. Uh, Jesus is describing how He lived with the Father. And He said over and over, I can do nothing of Myself. I can do nothing out of Myself. He did it all by just depending on Christ. A branch cannot bear fruit, He says, unless it abides in the vine. So, just as we're about ready to wrap this up, but think about this. You feel needy? Don't stew in it. Don't complain about it. Don't wallow in I'm no good or condemnation or anything like that. That's not going to help. And don't wish that you weren't needy. That's, a wishing that you weren't needy is you, you're just blocking the flow. It's not going to... The the wish isn't going to make it go away. (laughs) So, use your need to come to Christ. 
It's a whole other way of doing life. And kingdom life is exactly that. A whole other way of doing life. So, I guess I've already said Tom left my, my office a free man. That's, it was, I don't know if I've, in an hour and a half counseling from, from like dead to life, I don't know if I've ever seen it transpire like that. It was like, <laughs> he just went dead, full on life. <laughs> you know, it's like staying hydrated. People get dehydrated and get in trouble because they're not paying attention to their thirst. Learn to pay attention to your neediness so that you can abide. <laughs> That's really critical. Where did I learn this? I think I learned it from um, Andrew Murray. I'm reading his devotional, Abiding in Christ Now, for the 35th time. See, I'm a little remedial. I, I need help. I need an IV drip. <laughs> so it's not just knowledge. It's revelation. And I need it every day. Because your natural system is wired the other way. And so every morning, I really encourage you. Get alone with Jesus. Read His words. Get it into Him. He who abides in me and my words abide in you. Oh, that's rich. Nan and I do that every morning. That's top priority. Then you, need a, you may need a prayer partner, somebody that can encourage you. Nan and I are prayer partners. We confess our sins every day in front of one, to God in front of one another. Why? Because I'm totally safe with her. She's my biggest fan. I'm her biggest fan. So, spend time with God every day. And then right now, I'm going to pray and ask God for revelation. Would you like to do that? We prayed before. Now we've got the knowledge. Let's ask God for the spirit of revelation. Would you do that with me? Spirit of God, ask Him. Ask Him. Lord, let, let me live like that. Let me live like Paul began to live. He was happy. He was well content. Because he just ran straight to you. Spirit of God, just bring such revelation and start pointing it out to us, Lord, when we're doing the opposite. Because you don't condemn us. Condemn us. You just sort of scoot us back in. So, oh, yeah, use your need. Use your need. Come to Christ. Depend on Him. You can't fix yourself. Yes, I remember, Lord. And if you're here today and you haven't discovered the joy of having Christ be your Savior, taking away guilt and shame, confusion, hurt, wounds, not to mention eternal life, you could start today just by saying what Kent said over communion. He died taking you with him so that you could live, so that you could be forgiven. And you just ask him, Jesus, I want to start today following you. I want to get to know you. I want to be your disciple. Come into my heart. <laughs> 
Come into my heart. Make me your own. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's celebrate with those folks that just made that decision. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. If you have any questions or want to know more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.